Welcome to the Logistics of Logistics, a podcast dedicated to exploring how things get places and the people who get them there. We'll talk with logistics and supply chain leaders about innovation, industry trends, and the future of the logistics business. Now, here's your host, Joe Lynch. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Logistics of Logistics podcast. Today, we've got a great topic and a really great guest, a good friend of mine. And the topic is the hidden solution to most supply chain problems with Ron Crabtree. Welcome, Ron. Hey, welcome, Joe. Thanks. So, Ron, before we get started, please tell us a, a little bit about you. Introduce your company, where you're located, that kind of stuff. Great. Yeah. I'm Ron Crabtree, and I'm the CEO and founder of MetaOps Incorporated, located in Metro Detroit. And I've uh, been uh, at the start of the company 18 years ago. And what do you guys specialize in? We specialize in providing interim and contract to hire talent at the highest level, right? Folks step in and solve the most difficult supply chain problems, master lean six sigma black belts, engineers of various pedigree, and folks that can jump in and run the business as needed. Excellent. Excellent. So Ron is not too far from me. Before I get into going further, so I met Ron about Five or six years ago, Ron had reached out to me, had some project, asked if I was interested. I It was, sounded really interesting. It was a really top-level project, but I was busy with other stuff. And I did recommend Doug Sartain, who's a, common, a mutual friend between Ron and I. We've worked all with Ron in the past. So I introduced Doug, and then uh, Doug and Ron ended up working on a few projects. And then three years ago, I think three years ago this month, Ron asked, Hey, Joe, would you jump in and help me out with this little... Uh, assessment. It was a logistics assessment for a company. And I thought my main business is I coach and I train uh, people in sales, mostly transportation logistics guys, but it was, it was a really big shipper. And I thought, boy, this will be a good experience to help do a little logistics assessment, help understand the market. I'm still working on that project part-time, a little bit here, a little bit there, but I'm still on that project three years later. And I've really enjoyed working with Ron and his team over at MetaUp. So that's that's our, our background together. So it's been fantastic. I've traveled with Ron. We've had some fun and worked. <laughs> Ron, tell us a little bit about your background. Where'd you grow up? Where'd you go to school? What'd you major in college? That kind of stuff. Sure. Yeah, I grew up originally in Western Michigan near Kalamazoo. And actually, I ended up going to night school for over 17 years to eventually emerge with an undergrad in management organizational development. So I ended up attending, golly, five different colleges along the way to get there, eventually getting a management and organizational development degree through Spring Arbor. Yeah, Ron, I, I lived that, that dream of night school. I got my undergrad at 31. And <laughs> I've been working in, in automotive. I was a designer and a draftsman. And my dad had an engineering business. I did everything under the sun except to get a damn degree. And then I got my master's. I was 37 or 38. Wow. Night school sucks. <laughs> <laughs> so, Rod, tell us a little bit about your career prior to starting MetaOps. Yeah, I had about close to a 20-year career in uh, mostly in supply chain-related areas. I started out working in a factory as an hourly worker in a union shop. Three years later, I was scheduling the whole plant. Moved to California, worked for Disney's manufacturing organizations, building show-and-ride equipment for Epcot, Tokyo Disneyland, and back to Michigan and, uh, you know, plant manager, 26-year-old plant manager for a UAW plant. That was uh, pretty brutal, but a, but a good experience. And then a series of materials management and operations roles, mainly in the automotive supply chain, up through having a general manager, a full P&L responsibility for a, 
a private equity acquisition here in Detroit for a tier one supplier. I actually moved here to the Detroit area in 96 and ended up jumping into consulting with Grant Thornton, uh, implementing uh, Oracle supply chain planning, Oracle demand flow, blah, blah, blah. And then I had a stint with, at the time, one of the world's largest lean manufacturing consulting companies, uh, helping to drive accelerated lean deployment for several plants at Ford Motor Company. Yikes. So you, you've done it all from the shop floor right to the top. Exactly. <laughs> and I've sat in every chair there is when you think about supply chain and operations <laughs> and supervisor, shop floor, scheduling, planning, ERP systems, setting up, standing up supply chains, moving facilities from state to state. I've been there, done it all. <laughs> <laughs> well, Ron, I, I always say this uh, when I'm talking to people about supply chain is I grew up in the automotive supply chain and there is no supply chain like it. I say it's the biggest, baddest supply chain on earth. I know, you know, every supply chain, whether it's like Walmart or Costco or Amazon, everyone's got their challenges, but automotive, boy, it is, it is a brutal game. <laughs> it is. So anyway, Ron, before we get in, so the, today's topic is the hidden solution to most supply chain problems. So before we get into, we're going to keep everyone in suspense. Before we get into the solution, talk about the most common supply chain problems you and your team over at MetaOps Encounter. Absolutely. You know, at a macro level, everybody's got common challenges at the, at the enterprise level. You know, the fact that, uh, you know, there's all kinds of pressure on us, right? You've got to bring new products and services to market a lot faster. There's shorter life cycles to the products unrelenting pressure on price and competition, you know, globalization, you know, there's reshoring and, and, and nearshoring and pulling stuff back, but globalization's here to stay. And it, think about the risk in the supply chain. A lot of companies are getting hammered right now just with all these tariffs and all this action with, you know, the big fight with China going on and all of the uncertainty of that and the impact on costs just like ugh, making us crazy. And then to add to that, I'm starting to see more and more, you know, people grappling with what do we do about the carbon footprint? You know, we have a social responsibility to start thinking about how are we going to kind of own the, the life cycle of that product from beginning to end, you know, as use and reuse and, and minimize the impact on the planet. So at a macro level, those are really big. But the fact is, there's really two major problems that I keep seeing this more at the tactical level, the day to day. There's two major things I keep seeing again and again. And the first is the fact that supply chain isn't a problem around moving, making and moving our stuff. It's really about the information. In fact, I would argue that any company of any size in any industry is grappling with this fact that moving stuff across the supply chain is really an information challenge. You know, for example, think about a bank, you know, a large bank. Okay, they don't make or move anything. You know, they, they manage money, they do financing, they manage uh, you know, savings and investments. But if you investigate it, you're going to find out they have a massive supply chain organization and a real challenge with how do we manage the information from all of the different folks involved with the, the, just the security, the access to information, the, uh, the lenders, you've got people that borrow the money and the approval processes and it goes on and on and on. And to be able to provide great service, they have to do an amazing number of information movements to get things done. So let me give you another example, Jaws, working with a defined benefits company. In other words, large companies that have a retirement plan would outsource the retirement program. In other words, the management of paying the retirees to an outside vendor. 
And we map the entire process from end to end from the time that the retiree says, oh, well, I'm ready to retire, give me my first check. And we mapped out all the steps it took until they actually got the check. Joe, how many steps do you think that was? Uh, how about 20? Oh, <laughs> uh, the 167. <laughs> and guess how many involved the actual getting them the check part? Uh, I'm guessing that's not very many. Ten, five. <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. That's pretty close. I think it was like four steps. So the fact is, every organization grapples with this phenomena that supply chain isn't about moving the physical stuff. It's about the information that's got to be handled. And most folks don't really grapple with that real well and understand that that's really the supply chain challenge. We tend not to think about it in terms of that global impact that everybody has to deal with. Now, it gets worse, though, because, you know, to be clear, all service-based companies have a supply chain problem moving that information. But as you move into companies that make or move product, it's worse. And why is that? Well, they've got all the same headaches with moving the information, all those financial things to deal with, blah, blah, blah. But in addition to that, they've got to do the physical movement of the goods. Now you're dealing with a whole other level, you know, getting through customs, paying taxes, dealing with each state's requirements. The whole logistics thing that goes on and on and on. So right. there's two major, that's like a big thing, right? One of the things when we talked offline a little bit about some of the supply chain challenges, you mentioned global. If you were here in Detroit area and you were involved in automotive a generation ago, your suppliers were in the Detroit metro area. So information, you might have been a phone call away, right? It was not uh, impossibly hard. And obviously the bar's risen on what we want. But now those supply chains are global. So that, that supply chain visibility and information is so much more challenging when my parts are in a different country and maybe invisible on the ocean or <laughs> stuck in customs or stuck in a port. Big, big challenge that we didn't used to have. Absolutely. In fact, that calls to mind, you know, recently I uh, helped a large uh, 3PL firm take a hard look at Everything it takes from the time they pick up some product in Mexico, you know, get it across the border through consolidation and deliver it to their production lines here in the United States. Guess how many touches of information there are for that to happen? In other words, the handling of the information. Uh, I'm going to miss this one again. I'll say 50. Uh, closer to 200. And when you take into consideration everything that needs to happen, you got labeling, you have the advanced notices of the shipping, you've got all the customs paperwork, the five different flavors of that, and all the verifications, and it goes on and on and on. It was just crazy. And we got to the bottom of it and they said, well, wait a minute, you know, we're maybe touching the physical freight, right? This is touching the actual pallets. Maybe that pallet or box gets touched 10 times from end to end, from the time we pick it up the supplier to delivering it to the customer. Maybe 10 touches. And so I asked them a question. I said, the, the leadership team, I said, so guys, you know, uh, what business are we in here? Are we in the business of moving freight or are we in the business of managing information and we happen to move freight too? <laughs> what do you think they thought? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that, yeah, it's, it's eye opening. It's, they thought they moved freight. <laughs> I guess they do move freight, but that's not the, the hard part. Yep. So that's the global challenge. You know, the real tactical everybody's facing is grappling with the fact that it's really an information handling challenge. And here's the other one. You can't solve today's problems using the methods that got you to where you are today. Kind of the Einstein quote, right? You cannot, we cannot solve our problems with the same thinking we used when we created them in the first place. So here's the challenge. Supply chain is a 
getting more complex every single day, especially with the introduction of Industry 4.0 and all that implies, you know, Internet of Things, and it goes on and on and on. And I'm not going to go into Industry 4.0 right now, but the fact is, we don't know, we don't know. So what I'm seeing, Joe, you know, 80% of the time as I talk with companies, you know, it's not these macro things, the enterprise challenges I mentioned earlier, it's, we just don't even know where to start to solve some of these problems. We don't have the previous experience dealing with the issue, or we just don't have the right people at the right place at the right time that have the right skills to just make that problem go away. Yep. Ron, you know, uh, I spend most of my time now in logistics, but obviously serving the supply chain. I say this all the time regarding the logistics and transportation space. They were kind of low-tech businesses. If you owned a warehouse or a trucking company, or maybe you did some uh, light assembly for some companies, it wasn't necessarily considered a high-tech business. The demands that the supply chain has put on those industries, those warehousing, transportation, the ports, incredible. And, you know, you think about the growth of Amazon, everyone thinks it's, hey, great, well, now we can have stuff on our front porch. The supply chain and the logistics required to put that uh, toothpaste on your front porch wasn't there five, ten years ago. I mean, it's it's still new. Uh, it didn't exist. Yeah, yeah, we're still learning. <laughs> Correct. So it's new demands by the supply chains making transportation and logistics what was formerly sort of a low-tech business into a very high-tech business. And to your point about the, your experience with the 3PL, so many 3PLs are starting to realize that a lot of the value we provide is in the IT, it's in the information and the visibility. And those are obviously big themes in our industry right now. Yep, absolutely. We'll get right back to the podcast in just a moment. If you sell transportation or logistics services, the Logistics of Logistics can help you sell more. Our customized program will help you understand your sales personality, including your strengths and blind spots, get more sales leads, and improve your communication and salesmanship. We can also position you as a recognized industry expert and help you reach your target audience. To learn more, visit thelogisticsoflogistics.com. And now, back to the show. So... Ron, we've kept everybody in suspense. You've talked a little bit about the the hidden hidden problems, and and I like what you said. We don't know, what we don't know, and information management is a big part of the challenge, and it's the the information in the supply chain that's often the problem. So we've talked a little bit about those. Don't keep us in suspense anymore. What is what is the uh, solution to most of these supply chain problems? Okay, before I jump to solution, I would like to share just a couple of real live little case study examples just to illustrate all the things I was talking about, if that's okay. Just a couple yep. quick examples. So something please do. Yeah, okay, great. So something we're working on right now, just to help us wrap our head around this this challenge, you know, let's just think about fresh produce, right? Uh, this is the the groceries, the fruits and vegetables you buy at the at the grocery. And there's an amazing supply chain around all of that, you know, getting it from the field to the store shelf where you can buy it quickly cleanly or packaged correctly, meeting all the requirements for legal requirements. But what I'm finding and, you know, working with a company on this problem right now is forecasting exactly when that produce needs to be packed in the field is a massive problem because you have all kinds of moving pieces. You know, it's all kinds of the growers that you partner with. There's the maturation of the product in the field, trying to forecast, you know, it's a very seasonal thing, huge bubbles, right? Fruit maturates in a very narrow time. Yep. Many of the vegetables and 
And, you know, so it goes without saying that not having packaging at the right place at the right time at all of these different grower locations isn't one of the options. In the auto industry, as Joe and I well know, not shipping the product on time to that automotive plant, not one of the options, right? Because, you know, in this case, the produce just will rot in the field, right? And you just can't have it. Your, your growers fire you and your customers hate you because you're not providing the product. At the same time, right. the same exact time, having mountains of inventory of packaging lying around out in the field isn't an option either. A, where are you going to store the stuff? Oh, by the way, packaging has a shelf life too. It tends to age. There's changing requirements and labeling that come through practically every week. So even though I had it printed and ready to go this week, may not mean next month I can use that same packaging for something else. Nobody wants to pay for that mountain of inventory. So how do you deal with that? That's a real problem. And the problem is all about the information to help them forecast, predict, and be able to quickly and seamlessly exchange consumption information, changes in uh, maturation rate of the product in the field, and being able to realign the supply chain and flow that packaging to where it's needed, when it's needed. Well, guess what? They developed uh, their own internal ERP system two years ago. They had great success, lots of progress, but they've continued to grow. They've continued to add different growing regions. They've grown like, I don't know, double digits every year. Well, suddenly, wait a minute, what got us here isn't solving the problem. They're scratching their head. Right, of course. Exactly. Right. It's interesting. We just, uh, I had on a, a previous podcast, I talked to Tyler Hildebrandt about Food Safety Modernization Act and cold chain. And the Food Safety Modernization Act is relatively new. President Obama signed it in law and it was a, it was a major overhaul of the FDA. And I, I did a lot of coaching and training on that. And I, I read that Fed reg more than any other Fed reg I think I've ever read, but it really raised the bar on the expectations. And one of the areas that is a real concern when it comes to food safety is produce because it is, it obviously goes bad. Bugs can get in it. People can tamper with it. You know, there's a million things that can go wrong with it. And, you know, you got to be able to get it out of the field where it's 98 degrees, cool it down quickly, get it, as you said, packaged and moving. And it's amazing how quick that moves right. here in the States. Now, I understand from my, some of my research that in other countries that are still developing an, uh, the cold chain that we already have, they have 70, 80% of their f- produce go bad before it gets to the, the shelf. Scary. It's an enormous amount of loss. And, and when you think about a country that might not have enough food and you say, I, especially if you're very large and you can't move it across from the field to the table, <laughs> what's the what's the use? Why why even why even grow it? Exactly, and I can tell you that ninety percent of the root cause for the failure is not the physical movement of the product; it's having everything in the right place at the right time to orchestrate it, which means information to the right people at the right time to act, the right decision support uh, to make it happen. So, yeah, that's a wonderful piggyback on that. And I could go on with several other examples. You know, military hardware, capital equipment. You know, making stuff for utility solar fields, you know, supplying in-home medical care. I could go on and on with the kinds of challenges people are having, you know, relating to this. A, you know, it's really an information problem. And B, we just don't have the right people, the right talent, the right place. So the real, you know, so there's really three things that I see as the, the hidden solutions to getting the bottom of this. And it really depends on the situation of the organization and the size and the scope of the, of the operations and you know, the nature of the challenge. So if it's a severe enterprise challenge, 
you might be looking at the need for an internally generated top to bottom assessment. And this is where you're going to want to leverage industry best practices. You know, there's models out there like the Porter model, the score framework, supply chain operations reference model, if you've not heard of it. And we actually offer a 1,000 page playbook that has all the tools for guiding, you know, a leadership team through taking a look top to bottom and doing a rapid diagnostic, right? So if they can, they can kick off some 90 day sprints to diagnose and really get at, you know, the improvements and leverage their internal expertise, you know, Lean Six Sigma, you know, purchasing procurement supply chain. And this can lead to, you know, the realization, where can we really plug into industry 4.0? And here's the big thing. And I don't want to get sidetracked here. What is Industry (laughs) 4.0? Industry 4.0 describes loosely eight different groups of technologies that are beginning to totally transform how we do business. You know, blockchain, the Internet of Things, additive manufacturing, you know, reliability-centered maintenance of our equipment, and asynchronous communications of demand signals and all that good stuff. And and I don't want to get into that. That's another whole podcast. But you're going to have to come back. And, yeah. You're going to have to come back and do that podcast with me later, Ron. Yeah. Well, but here's the thing about Industry 4.0. I want people to know it's an enterprise challenge, but it's not a big bang solution, right? Don't look. Don't think about Industry 4.0 as our next ERP or supply chain execution system. It's an incremental challenge, and that's where you know you got to get really, really focused as an organization. Take a deep dive to. Where are we broken and where do we need to shore things up so that we can plug and play some of these technologies incrementally where they really make a big difference in our performance. The second big thing that companies are doing, this continues kind of the traditional, let's go find the high pirate consulting company, let's have them come in and just do a really, really deep dive and you know, kind of do a pro- business process reengineering thing. And if you've got lots of money to throw at it, there's nothing wrong with that. And it's pretty common, particularly if there's no time to wait or you just don't have the skills internally to get it done. The third one, and this is the one that I've alluded to earlier, back to the Einstein quote, you just, you don't know what you don't know, right? You can't solve problems with the same thinking we use to get there. So I'm seeing probably 80% of the challenges that companies are bumping into, they can really get at incrementally by just infusing the knowledge and the expertise at the exact point where things are broken. And that's kind of what we built Meta Experts to do as part of the MetaOps uh, family of offers to the market is, you know, people that can jump in, just get stuff done that infuse the specific expertise. You know, getting back to the produce company I mentioned, that's exactly what's happening. We've got a, a gentleman who's been there, done that, and brings all of the uh, ASCM, Apex, you know, background and a deep background in uh, ERP systems and planning, just kind of jump in and help them take a different set of eyes to rethink how they go after their forecasting. Ron, if I could add my own story with MetaOps and MetaExperts. Three years ago, Ron asked me to do a quick assessment on logistics for a company. And ultimately, that kind of led to uh, a discussion of how do we select a 3PL. And that, having that background myself, I had run a, back, I'd run a little 3PL and I had, um, and we did very well. I'm <laughs> very proud of that experience. And I'd helped some other companies and I'd done lots of, I spoke at conferences on how to select a 3PL. In fact, I'm speaking another one on it. But when Ron reached out to me, it was, it was cool because it was a great organization. They just didn't have that one particular skill. And as soon as, you know, as soon as I got there, they quickly made whatever they could pull out of my head theirs. And 
it was a fantastic, it's been a fantastic experience. It's probably wrapping up in the next month or so, but that's a perfect example because if you don't have that, that skill set in your organization and you need to go pick a 3PL, how are you going to do it? Exactly. So anyway, so Ron, you just mentioned three solutions. Please give us a bullet point on those. Summarize those one more time for us because very important points. Okay. So first of all, you know, if it's a large enterprise challenge, you should look at leveraging best practices to do kind of a top to bottom, quick diagnostic internally, and really get at what are those 90 day sprints that you need to engage in in your organization to quickly close those gaps in your performance. The second is the traditional go find, you know, the big consulting company. And if you've got the money and, and uh, need to hurry, you know, that's always a good solution. And then third is go find very specific expertise that's been there and done that to jump in and bail you out exactly where you need it, maybe on an interim basis. Yep. Ron, if I could add something to that, I've worked with the big consulting companies uh, a lot in the past and, and they're all very good, but there is a tendency to have to sell them with senior guys and then bring in the junior. And obviously there's, they're obviously have good leadership and I'm not criticizing their work in any way, but they do bring in a lot of young people to do the legwork. And I think what, what your, what MetaOps and MetaExperts model is, is more, bring in the guy who's got the experience and actually he's done this. So you're going to be more senior. And I would also throw in one other thing. Since you and your team are supply chain guys, are experts in these spaces, and you have those networks, it's not as if you're looking and saying, I'm just picking out keywords on a resume. You're looking around and saying, I know those guys. I've sat in those seats. I've done this job. So when you're interviewing someone like me, you say, yeah, okay, Joe, here's what I think is in, involved. And you're not, <laughs> you're not coming from an HR or a recruiting background. You're coming from an operator background. Absolutely. You know, for every hundred people we look at that we're going to certify as meta experts to work with our customers, maybe 5% will actually make it through our process, our vetting process. And only people that absolutely can go do it, not talk about it. You know, they're not the academians. They're not traditional consultants. They are arms and legs that want to get it done and want to make a difference. Well, I slipped through. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Ron, this has been great. I really appreciate you talking about supply chain. Again, it's, I know I'm going to have to have you back to talk a little bit about this industry 4.0. I think it is a separate podcast, but tell us a little bit about what's going on at MetaOps. Tell us what you're up to. Yeah, great. Thank you, Joe. So, you know, Back in 2011, after many years of requests from customers, you know, we crafted uh, the Meta Experts brand to get away from offering traditional consulting and, uh, and training stuff. And that's been continuing to grow. So it's the, the vast majority of what we do. And so a bit of a shift we're seeing here in the last years, we're beginning to uh, work a lot more with very large consulting firms and other consulting firms, smaller consulting firms to kind of be their resource in the background, if you will, you know, to, they can tap into us for very specific talent to go get their projects done. So not only are we working directly with corporations, large and small, uh, we're going to do a lot more there. We're seeing a tremendous surge in the demand for people to get out and just do basic supplier performance improvement projects, right? Like call it quality engineers, engineers, different flavors that have got a solid background and experience in in solving really tactical problems in these industries. And they're uh, pulling on us pretty hard for resources they can grab for three months here and six months there to get in and help their customers go get things done. So that's a, a quickly growing part of our business. Yeah, Ron, if I could add something, and we, we had this conversation uh, the other day when we were talking, 
I think there's also a lot of guys out there like myself who have their own business and are not interested in being part of uh, another corporation anymore, but also open. You know, so I'm busy, but at the same time, I'm always open. And when Ron said, hey, would you like to help somebody pick a 3PL? I was very excited because I work with 3PLs. I'm training guys on how to go win more shipper business. So it's exciting to hear how shippers work. So there is a market. They're probably hard to find. But uh, I know, Ron, you found me and I know you found others who are out there doing their own thing and not necessarily open to a corporate gig, but definitely open to an interim project like you brought to me. Exactly. And uh, we welcome meeting folks like that because... You know, the, the fact is we have quite a number of customers that aren't looking for a full-time person. You know, they, an incremental or I'll call it a fractional role happens quite a bit where they're looking for help, you know, for just a few weeks or maybe somebody that could spend 15, 20 hours a week for a month or two just to help them unsnarl some things. We're doing a lot of those engagements too. So that's a big win-win, right? We're connected to the companies that need the help. And then we're connected to, you know, I'll call them, you know, the, the, the one-man shows, you know, folks that have a shingle out there. They're some are retired or into the gig economy, and it's a nice marriage. You know, we're able to we're able to orchestrate that. You know, be the point of contact to strategically manage the relationship with this company, and then provide many different individuals over time that can jump in and and bring uh, their expertise, where it'll make a real difference. Well, Ron, this has been excellent. I really appreciate you sharing all your knowledge and expertise, which is very significant. And you got to promise me you'll come back to speak to Industry 4.0 soon. <laughs> yeah, I'd be happy to do that, Joe. <laughs> okay. Thank you so much, Ron. And thank you, everybody, for listening to my podcast. Your continued support is very much appreciated. Thank you, Joe. Thanks, Ron. You've been listening to the Logistics of Logistics podcast, where we engage in conversations with experts in the logistics field. If you're an expert and would like to be featured on the Logistics of Logistics podcast, please email Joe Lynch at joe at the logisticsoflogistics.com. 